let's stand together as we open in worship. Hope you're doing well. Hope you've had a wonderful week. We okay? All right, good. No injury. Fantastic. All right, so welcome. Name is Matthew, one of the pastors here at Faith Family. If you're a visitor, a guest with us this morning, we'd like to extend a welcome to you and invite you. There's a card in the pew in front of you. Uh, if you would, just take that, fill that out, drop that in. The offering basket on your way out this morning is your offering. Give us an opportunity this week. Reach out to you, not pester you and chase you down, but just see if there's anything we can do for you, anything we can pray for you. 
uh, in um, as, as you've come to visit us. So we'd like to welcome you and ask you to do that if you'd be willing to. So there's a few things to uh, remind you of to let you know about. This evening we'll be back together in here at 6, and uh, at 5 o'clock there will be a special uh, kids camp meeting for parents uh, to come if you have questions about kids camp. Uh, in June, it'll be over in the elementary building and C building, uh, over behind you that way, and we'll be there at five o'clock. And so, uh, invite you to come. Questions. Uh, also, we'll we'll be talking about camp and what that'll look like. It's been a few years since kids have have gone off to camp, and so we'll talk through those things, what that'll look like, and also talk about the needs, uh, the needs from adults uh, to be involved for camp. And so that is this evening at five. Um, and want to also let you know camp is this summer. The dates will be up on the screen right there uh, for kids camp uh, in Citronelle, just across the bay, up a little ways, uh, and those are the dates for, for camp, and so uh, there are registration packets out in the foyer, uh, and there should be one online if you'd like to check it out there. All right, so we have been memorizing Scripture, and we are here at a new verse today. And so we are looking at um, Exodus 15. And so this is a song of Moses as Moses sings and leads Israel in this uh, after God brings them out of Egypt and through the Red Sea and then destroys the army of Egypt, of Pharaoh, as they're pursuing them to kill them and to get them all back to, uh, into slavery. We have this verse here in the middle of his song talking about the, the grandeur of God. And so, let's read it out loud twice, and, uh, and then we will we'll pray uh, from this verse and also pray for our time together. So if you would follow with me. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders, Exodus fifteen eleven. One more time. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Exodus fifteen eleven. Gosh, always make a mistake. So Israel has just been brought out of slavery. God miraculously has provided that the, the power in the world, the known highest power at this time historically, God has humbled. God has humbled the self-proclaiming deity of Pharaoh and asserted that the Lord God of Israel, this same God that we read of throughout Scripture, is the Lord. He is the King. None, none compare to Him. And so rhetorically asking, who is like him? There is none like him. There is none like the God that we know, that we worship, and that has come to us. Who has come to us, the Son of God that has come to be the Savior of the world. That when we see Jesus, we see the exact radiance of the glory of God. This God who brought Israel out of slavery and inspired this song that Moses sung and led Israel in as the same God that came, that took flesh and dwelt among us, and he gave his life, that anyone who would call upon his name would be saved. It's good God we serve. Let's pray, and uh, we'll continue in worship. Father God, I thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. God, thank you so much for the gift of your word, that we know what you have done, and we know who you are. That, God, we don't trust in people around us. We don't trust in uh, feelings and movements of, of who knows what. But that, God, we have a rock-solid truth of who you are given to us in your Scripture. That has stood the test of time. That is traceable and is uh, reputable, God. And so, Father, I, I ask you, Lord, to, to help us this morning. Lead us, God, in this time that we would see you high and lifted up through your word. We would see who you are and that, God, you would draw us to a repentance. You would draw us to humility before you. 
that God, our lives would be consecrated to you, to be used by you, to be filled with what you intend for us, and that in that we would find joy, we would find purpose, we would find what you have created us to be, yours. And so, Lord Jesus, would you, would you lead us this morning? Would you speak to us? Would you guide us? That, God, it would be our song, it would be the, the tone of our lives as Moses is praising you for what you have done right before them, that we would say the same. That, God, we would say, who is like you? There is none like you, Lord. And that, God, we would leave here and go from here with such joy, such rejoicing in your goodness and in your grace, Lord. So, Father, we ask that, God, you would be with us, you would speak to us and lead us, and that, God, you would be glorified this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to sing. We did this song last week. Uh, I want to do it again. But this is Holy, Holy, Holy with the added chorus. Uh, really pay attention to the words of this chorus. Just, it proclaims good truth about God.
for Thee. King of glory, holy Lord, not beside Thee, perfect Jesus. And as your blood 
It's good to see you this morning, and uh, we have a gracious, sovereign Lord. I, uh, I have a habit in the mornings of uh, perusing different websites that are news websites, and, and uh, <clears throat> this morning I, uh, I couldn't help but notice, you know, uh, a lot of interest being uh, given to what's happening uh, at uh, with Russia and the Ukraine and uh, a lot of interest of uh, um, what's going on in the Olympics in uh, China and uh, you know people being refused opportunity to uh, uh, have freedoms uh, reporters being shut down, uh, news programs being cut off, different things that are happening and uh, see what's happening in our own nation and uh, the, the cultural battles that are going on and uh, isn't it good just to know that God is in control? Now you say, I believe that, but you know what? Our eyes sometimes will deceive us. We will look and see what's going on around us and go, wait a minute. Is that, really, is, is that really true? Is that really what is happening? Is God really in control? And today we will be looking at uh, that truth lived out in the life of uh, God's people. And so if you have a copy of God's Word, let me invite you to the seventh chapter of the book of Isaiah. I've titled it a 
a uh, divided kingdom or uh, a tale of two sons. A couple of weeks ago I said it was a tale of uh, uh, two men and uh, this one's a tale of two sons. Uh, we're going to look at one of the sons this morning and if you want to know what Meher Shalal Hashbaz means, <clears throat> that's the other son. Quit turning your head like that. I said it right. Meher Shalal Hashbaz. Uh, if you want to know who he is, you got to come back tonight. All right? And uh, I would give a little teaser, I may, at the end uh, to encourage you to come back for this evening. As you know, on Sunday evenings, on the first Sunday of the month, we have a uh, preaching service, the second Sunday night of the month. We have a prayer service. Uh, it is the least attended of all of our services. Shame on us. Uh, and then on the third Sunday night of the month, we have a, a participation in the community, a reach out into the community. And then on the fourth Sunday night of the month, we come together for a uh, meal time where we share together. Uh, and then if we have a fifth Sunday, we have a praise service. And we just had that last uh, Sunday night. So uh, I want to remind our prayer groups to continue to be in prayer. If you're not in a prayer group and want to be in one, uh, please notify us. You can uh, just send it to uh, info at faithfamilyonline.com and we'll make sure that you get put in a prayer group. And uh, all the material for uh, how to pray, how we encourage you to pray, some of it's right back here on the table the other is on the website so let me encourage you to do that we had planned to be able to announce to you uh, the uh, search team this morning but we still have some that are praying about it and so uh, you continue to pray uh, for that process uh, it, it is not going to delay my time so y'all can just keep doing this as long as you want but it's still you know when my time comes my time's there uh, so uh, let me encourage you. Uh, so Isaiah chapter 7, it begins by saying, In the days of Ahaz, and he identifies who Ahaz is, he's the son of Jotham. And who's the son of Jotham? He's the son of Uzziah, king of Judah. So that's how we were looking a few weeks ago when we started talking about in the day that King Uzziah died Isaiah saw the Lord so here we've got his grandson uh, who is on the throne now he's king of Judah but we're introduced to a new man Rezin who is the king of Syria and Pekah the son of Remaliah who is the king of Israel. So we're talking about the northern kingdom. Uh, its king is Pekah. The southern kingdom of Judah is Ahaz. And Rezin is king in D Damascus in Syria. And so it says they came up. These two kings, Pekah and uh, Rezin, came against Jerusalem to wage war against it. But could not yet mount an attack against it. So I want you to see in light of what I just said, who's in control? God is. They're coming to attack Judah, and it says they could not mount an attack yet. So when the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, or Ephraim, and that's another name for Israel or the northern ten tribes. The heart of Ahaz and the heart of the people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. They were scared to death. These two great armies were coming against them. Primarily, Judah is a city nation, as it were. Jerusalem is the prize. And that's where the wealth is, is in Jerusalem. And uh, it's the smaller portion and the smaller segment. So they're afraid. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz, you, in, you and Sha'er uh, Jashuv. And that's his son. That's one of the sons. And that's what we'll talk about a little bit this morning. 
So you take with you your son, and you take him to the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And I know I'm pausing in all of this because I may not remember to say it later, okay? Uh, what what uh, Ahaz wa would do at this point, water was extremely important in a time of siege. And so they are trying to do everything they can to make sure that the water supply for Jerusalem is protected. And you might remember Ahaz's son, Hezekiah, digs a tunnel down to the pool of Siloam because of the reality of how vulnerable they were with their water supply. So God is taking uh, Ahaz out to the place of his vulnerability and the prophet of God has a word to say with him and he takes his son whose name means there the remnant shall return. Or the remnant shall repent. Because the word to return or repent in the Hebrew are the same word. So we don't know which one it really is. It doesn't matter. So that's the context. Now this is what you're to say to him. Be careful and be quiet. Do not fear and do not let your heart be faint. Now, wait a minute. I'm looking at the armies. I see their might, their strength, their power. I know our vulnerability. And you're telling me just to be still and quiet. Don't say anything. Not to be afraid. And don't let my heart faint. And he tells us why. Because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. Now, they don't look like... That means the, the tree's cut down and you're burning the stump. And when you and I look at that, if we were in his shoes, we would say, wait a minute, that's not what I see. But God is saying a word to Ahaz. He says they're, they're just stumps of firebrands, though the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Rimelah are there. And then he tells us, because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Rimaliah it almost sounds like a sauce that you get at the restaurant, doesn't it? Remoulade, I guess. Uh, well, I don't know why I said that. Uh, they don't even name Pekka anymore. That's how insignificant Pekka is to God, okay? God's in charge. And he says, let us go up against, this is what they're planning to do, let us go up against Judah and terrify it. Let us conquer it for ourselves. And then set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. Who knows what these kings are planning? Who knows what they're saying to each other? God does. He knows the very words that they're going to say before they come out of their mouths. And he has said, it won't stand, it will not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim, that is northern tribes of uh, Israel, will be shattered from being a people. They will cease to exist as a people. We know that Babylon is going to come in and carry away those people into captivity and bring people from Babylon to inhabit Samaria or Ephraim or Israel, whatever you want to call it. So he says, and the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. But this is the word of the Lord. And you are not, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Let's pray together. Father, in these minutes that we have together this morning, Lord, they're just a small portion of the totality of our lives. Lord, uh, we have 168 hours in a week. And this moment together is just a small portion of it. And it, 
And yet what you have to say to us is a pivotal statement. When you have said to us, if we do not have faith in you, then we will not stand. Lord, that is such a dramatic statement. That is such a powerful statement. Lord, to think about it in the positive, and that is when we place our faith in the sovereign Lord, we will stand no matter what comes our way. Lord, how powerful that is. How gracious that is. How passionate you are for your people. Even with a king like Ahaz, you you gave that provision for him. And so, Lord, I pray that you might clearly identify to us no matter what our age is no matter what our capacity is no matter what our assignments are may we hear this word and may we act upon it in a proper way in a way that would honor the Lord Jesus Christ in his name we pray amen so just very quickly uh, this morning uh, there are Four things, and I'm just going to say these to you. Uh, Each kingdom has a decision to make. Northern kingdom, southern kingdom, they've got a decision at the moment to make. What we find is the northern kingdom actually has already made its decision. They've already decided to disobey God and come against their brothers. So we know they've already made the wrong decision. And secondly, whoever refuses God's word will experience judgment. To hear God say, this is what you're to do, and you say, no, I'm not going to do what God says. God has to be true to the character of who he is, and he says, judgment will come. Each one of these kingdoms, parts of the kingdom of God, had the promise of a remnant. You can see it both in a negative and a positive way. In a negative way, in the sense, you're getting ready to be wiped out, but you'll have only a remnant left. Or you can see it in the positive way is you're going to have a remnant left. There will always be God's remnant. God's people will always be true unto him. Alec Mautier in his commentary on Isaiah said, the real issue is not one of military muscle nor of political cleverness in creating defensive alliances but whether the Lord could be trusted to do what his word promised. That's the issue. Not where our alliances are made and not are we trusting in uh, doing the best that we can to figure out this way and how we navigate through uh, this particular situation, but can we trust the promises of God's word? For the northern kingdom, called variously Israel, Ephraim, Jacob, In other names, the final decision had already been taken. But for Judah, the moment of decision was about to come. And at the crux, Isaiah confronts Ahaz. And I would like to say God is confronting us today. God is confronting you. He's confronting me. So let's just look briefly at this text. The predicaments of Judah and Israel. Uh, We just read that. There is, uh, Israel is in league with uh, Syria and they've come against Jerusalem, against Judah and their attempt is to besiege them. They want to put fear in them, conquer them, put up a what we call a vassal king, V-A-S-A-L. A vassal king means uh, a puppet king, someone that's being controlled, a, a person who's there by name only. And someone else is controlling, telling them what to do. That was the plan. Judah, under Ahaz, is afraid. They're scared to death and God comes and says, uh, don't be afraid. But they're shaking like trees in the wind. That is their predicament. I don't know if you've ever been in a predicament like that. If you haven't, you will be. If you have, you probably will be again. That's just life. Life is going to throw you some obstacles and they're given to you by the loving hand of a sovereign Lord. 
it isn't that God doesn't love us. He is going to show us time and time again whether our faith is genuinely in Him or are we trusting in other things. And it doesn't matter how old you get. As a matter of fact, you know, we could almost break down life into different stages and say, you know, you're probably going to have this crisis at this stage of life, this crisis. I, I went into uh, one of our, our senior classes this morning and they said, everything is shrinking. Somebody said that. And I said, well, not everything. I noticed that my earlobes just keep getting longer and longer. You know, I go to the doctor, and I remember when I was right at six feet. I go to the doctor's office now, and I, I say, well, I'm 5'11", and they go, everything, there's a crisis everywhere along the way in your life in the same way that it was for Judah and for Ahaz. And you cannot avoid it, but what you can know is that God has a word to say to you. So what was the proclamation, number two? What was the proclamation of Isaiah to Ahaz? It was a wonderful word. Go and take your son that he had. We're not told that God said to Isaiah, naming this. Why would you name your son? Uh, the remnant will return or repent. I don't know, but that's what he names his son Take your son with him so that Ahaz at this moment in time will know if he trusts in the Lord, a remnant will repent. And it can be Ahaz, you can be a part of that remnant. And Ahaz can't see it. And he says to him in verse 4, be careful, and, and I don't know why in the English text they didn't put it, but in the Greek, in the Hebrew text, there's an and between careful and quiet. So he really means that as one command. Be careful and quiet as one thing. Don't say anything. Are there times that you wish you had just kept your mouth shut? <laughs> there are times that I feel like I live only uh, I, uh, long enough to exchange my feet in my mouth. I'm always putting my foot in my mouth, saying the wrong thing. And God comes to him, don't say anything. What you need to do is not say something. You need to hear something. You need to listen to what God says. And what God says is, don't fear. Do not fear. Well, what's the opposite of fear? Well, it can be argued uh, perfect love casts out all fear. So knowing the love of God will keep you from being fearful. And I agree with that. Trusting in the Lord will keep you from being fearful. Knowing that a loving Heavenly Father takes care of His children. Even when they go through trials and hard times and difficulties. It doesn't mean... Those things will pass. You'll have to pass through the waters, but you will not be overcome. You'll go through the fire, but you won't be burned. So be careful and quiet. Do not be fearful. And don't let your heart become faint. Don't, don't let what you see, hear, what people are telling you, Take your heart away from you. Your heart is a heart that belongs to God. And that's what he's saying. So, uh, how could, uh, or how and why should, should he, Ahaz, take such a position? Well, the, the reason why he should be quiet and not be afraid and take heart and be encouraged is because God has spoken to him. God has given him a word. The sovereign Lord is telling him it will not happen. Aren't those great words? All of these, you, you see what's before you, but don't worry about it. It's not going to happen. You and I need to hear a word from God, and we need to trust in the promises of God in those times and in those moments. The Sovereign Lord has told him what he is to do. Uh, back uh, when I announced to you what I 
understood God telling me that I needed to do uh, about stepping down. Uh, uh, Dr. Abercrombie and his wife came to see me and he said, how do you know? Uh, he didn't say it quite like that, but he speaks much softer. He says, how do you know? Have you gotten a word from God? I said, I believe I've gotten a word from God. He says, oh, pastor, you need to know that you've gotten a word from God. I happened to be reading a book at the time by, uh, Al, uh, by uh, Sinclair Ferguson. And as I was reading in it the next day, it, it, I, and I'm, I'm afraid to say this, okay? I've been putting off saying this for, such, for these few weeks uh, because uh, I don't want to encourage what I did. But Sinclair Ferguson said, the old church fathers used to take copies of Scripture and just open it up wherever they pleased and they would read it. And they would seek an answer from God. And I thought to myself, okay, I have told people time and time again, this is not the way to find the will of God for your life. You know, the lucky dip plan. Lord, what do, you, do you want me to go take that job? And then you read it. It's kind of like the man. Well, I won't tell the story. Uh, but uh, I read that and I thought, this is crazy. Should I do that? And you know what I did? I did it. I just did it. I, I, opened my, I, I took my Bible in my hand and I opened it up. And where it fell and I put my finger down and I looked at it. And nearly 16 years ago, when uh, you were in need of a pastor, my study was in the book of Isaiah. And God had put his finger on a verse of scripture in my heart and said, this is what you're to do. This is what you're to do at Faith Family Fellowship. I had just been contacted by the chairman of the search uh, team and uh, I thought to myself, no way, I'm not supposed to go there. It's, uh, there were many reasons why I was not going to do that. And it was the exact verse that I started with 16 years ago when I put my finger on it. Now I thought, that can't be coincidental. And the verse that God had given to me was a verse that had a beginning and an end to it. It had an assignment. And when I looked at the assignment of the text, I did not like the assignment God gave me. Because I, like most other pastors, wanted to see the church blossom in numbers, grow and the word that God had given me was to take some things down. Remove some things that needed to be removed. And I knew then, God was saying, the time has come. Now I've got to say, when you get a word from God, you know what? It encourages your heart. It makes you not to be afraid. It tells you, don't faint, be encouraged, take strength, fight on. And there's a fight that I have to fight. There's a battle that God has for me. And there's a battle that God has for you. And don't look at the enemy because the enemy is scaring us right now. We're listening to the enemy. We're hearing what the enemy is saying to the churches of America and we're buying into it. And we see one church after another church fall plunder to the enemy. And say, well, if we can't do it God's way, we'll compromise. We will kind of make a blend. It'll be a blended church. It'll church it'll be a church that reaches out in, in, in the world's way, but it'll bring God's message to them. And that is not the church of the sovereign Lord. It's not. 
And it can't be. You'll see it in just a moment. My time, boy, it's going. The plans of man. Plans of man, we've already stated. It was their plan in verse 6 to go up, conquer them, put in their, their vassal king. Uh, Proverbs 19.21 tells us, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. God's in control. What was the plan of God? Isaiah 7, 7 says, The plan is, it shall not, the man's plan will not stand. It shall not come to pass. My plan will prevail. I have a plan, and God reveals his plan to us in just a moment. But he also, before he gives us that plan, he gives us the pathway of victory. In verse 9, he tells us, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. What is the pathway to victory? It is faith in the Lord. We're told in Romans 1.17, the righteous shall live by faith. In Romans 14.23, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. In Isaiah 7.11, a sign of the Lord your God has been given that uh, uh, you are to have faith in Him. Verse 12 says, I will not ask and I will not put to the Lord, the Lord to test, is what uh, uh, Ahaz said. Ahaz had come to say, well, I, I'm not going to put God to the test. We're told not to put God to the test, Right? And yet Ahaz is told by God to do what? Put him to the test. And Ahaz is unwilling to put faith in the promise of God, though it seems contrary to what maybe he has been taught in his life. What kind of man would refuse to listen to God's word? Well, you and I would have to go back to 2 Kings. We won't have time to look at it. That's your homework. 2 Kings chapter 16, uh, uh, verses 2 and following. But it says about Ahaz, when he became king, he was tw uh, 26, pardon me, 20 years of age. He did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God. It says about him in verse 3 that he burned his son as an offering and as a sacrifice according to the despicable practices of the nations that they had driven out from Canaan. Do you understand what he's saying? This is a wicked man. He has not followed in the ways of God. He's not followed in the ways of Uzziah, his grandfather, or the ways of Jotham. He is following in the ways of the world. It tells us that he, he sacrifices his own son on an altar. He sacrifices on the high places to Baal, it tells us in verse 4. He goes to the Astra, according to verse 4. And he sacrifices under every green tree. Ahaz, in verse 7 of that same chapter, tells us he sends messengers to the king of Assyria. His name is Tiglath-Pileser. That's another lovely name, okay? He is now in Damascus. The king from Damascus of Syria is where? He's outside the gates of Jerusalem. Assyria has already come to conquer Syria. And their king is there, and he sends out messengers in order to uh, obtain some protection uh, from Tiglath-Pileser. Ahaz also sees the altar of Damascus when he goes. He sees a beautiful altar in Damascus, and you know what he says? He calls Uriah, his high priest, back in Jerusalem, and says, you've got to come see their altar. It's beautiful. It's better than the altar in the temple of the Lord. I want you to make a duplicate, duplicate of it and go put it back in Jerusalem. 
And Uriah goes back and he shoves the altar of Yahweh, the altar of the Lord, into the corner and he builds the altar of Syria in its place. And that's what we do with our hearts. That is what we do with our hearts. We buy into the world's ways and the world's philosophy and we say, oh, this is more beautiful, it's more pleasing. And Ahaz goes back to Jerusalem and he takes the place of the high priest and he goes and he makes his sacrifice unto the Lord on an altar that was built to a pagan god. He actually takes the brazen laver where the priest was supposed to be washing his hands and around the edge of it there was a part that was azure. It was blue and he broke it off. It was to be seen as a separation. I didn't understand this till now. I've been studying the Bible for I don't know how many years. You know in Revelation it says and there will be no more sea. This is what it's referring to. It was, a, it was called the sea. The sea of separation. The sea of preventing us from coming to God. And he broke it off. He said, nothing is going to prevent me from going to my God. What God? The God he had made in his own image. The God he had made in the likeness of his own day. And I fear that too many of us in this day have done such as Ahaz has done. It would be his, his son Hezekiah who would come in at an early age and he would repair the temple of the Lord and put it back in place where it should be and read the word of God, which ought to encourage you as a grandparent uh, to hear that. And so the concluding word is, you know, because this, this was uh, the pathway is the way of faith. It's not the way of Ahaz. It's ultimately the purpose of the Lord. It's God's plan. And we're given God's plan in verse 14. And I didn't read it in the earlier text, but it's a text you know very well. And a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son, and you shall call his name. Emmanuel. Emmanuel, Jesus. God with us. Ahaz, God will be with you. And he will freely offer you his gift. But you refuse. But you say no. But you say, I've got a better way. I've got a way that looks prettier. It's more pleasing. It's more acceptable by all the nations that are around me. And, and he loses out on the hope of salvation. Behold, a virgin will conceive. All hope rises on the Savior and not on man. Nothing Ahaz could do could save them. But oh, Emmanuel, Jesus can and does. Ahaz bought into a deceptive salvation and he lost his humiliation, his humility before God and God caused him to be humiliated. Judgment came. Christ offers salvation and all his provisions to the remnant. To the remnant. Who are the remnant? Well, they're the ones that repent. They are the ones that repent and place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, as a believer, you will come to crisis moments in your life where you'll have to know, what do I really believe? In whom do I really trust? Don't be afraid when those times come. Listen to the word of the Lord. Trust into the Lord of the word know that Jesus provides all of his saving grace for you in that time of crisis 
You remember there were a small group of people that were following Jesus according to uh, John's gospel in the second chapter. It said they believed in Jesus because they had seen his miracles. And then it says some strange words. But Jesus did not entrust himself to them. In the Greek text, it's they believed in Jesus from time to time. From time to time, they believed in Jesus. It's easy to say, I believe in Jesus. I believed in Jesus long before I was converted. Long before I was born again. I believed in him from time to time. And the scripture says, Jesus did not, it's actually the word, when it says commit, it's actually the word trust or have faith in them. He didn't entrust himself to them. They entrusted themselves to Jesus from time to time, but he did not entrust himself to them. That's chapter 2 of John. Chapter 3 of John is what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The word believe there is not from time to time. From time to time. So every time you come to a crisis as a believer, you're going to find out whether or not your faith is genuine. Every single time. And you'll give glory to God. You'll say, oh, what a Savior I have in Jesus my Lord. There was some that will say, I believe. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do many wonderful works in your name? Didn't we believe in you? And he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And so as you will have many decisions in your life that will validate whether or not your faith is genuinely in Christ or not, Today, some of you are going to have to say, am I really born again? Am I saved? Have I come to truly return to the Lord? Repent. Have I returned to the Lord? Am I putting faith in Him, not like Ahaz had done, a little bit of God here, a little bit of God there, but is Christ my Lord? Is He my sovereign God? Do I yield to Him? In all things. And so, Father, we come with such an encouraging word from you. That the one who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Saved now and forever. And, Lord, in spite of our gripes and complaints... When you bring us to crisis moments in our lives, when we're tested and tried, as Isaiah is standing and observing all of this happening, and he had to have been tested and tried in this moment. Lord, his confidence was not in what he saw, but in what you said, in the promises of God. So Lord, thank you for bringing us into those times. To count ourselves blessed when we endure trials, knowing that they will bring forth a proving of our faith. And Lord, for those that you are calling today to become not believers from time to time, but one of your children, born again of the Spirit of God, Yours for now and for all eternity. May they hear your voice and respond to your call today. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement. Uh, my Jesus, I love you.